0: said, and I quote, God has never had a brain and he's never missed it. (laughs) Sometimes in order to appreciate some of the things that are written in the Word of God, you need to disconnect. We tend to overthink things. The letter alone killeth. It's the Spirit that gives life. You've got to have inspiration, revelation from God's presence along with what you read in the Word of God. If you don't, the letter alone will kill. It's the Holy Spirit that gives life to what we read. So if you find yourself in a place this morning of needing to disconnect, disconnect and just say, Holy Spirit, give me understanding. Maybe I didn't learn it this way in Sunday school, but I'm open to what you want to teach. I believe that what Jesus said about your ministry in the earth is true, that you would lead me and guide me into all truth, that you would speak to me, that you would not speak concerning yourself, but you would speak concerning the things that Jesus taught and said and reveal all things to me. Starting in verse 1 of Romans, Romans the 5th chapter, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, let me pause, Is, are, are, the lighting, um, are the lights on number 8, by the way? Okay, just wanted to be sure. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. whom he has given to us for while we st- are st- while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die but god shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Verse 9 Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more, now that we have been reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. There's three questions this morning that we want to ask. In my experience, these questions aren't being asked by a great majority in the American church. And they're problematic in particular for the Western church. Number one, are there things that I need to do to be right with God? Are there things that I need to do to be right with God number two is God angry does he get angry at my sin does he release that anger or wrath towards me that was all one question and number three Does the Bible teach that God is our enemy? You see, how you answer those three questions will affect everything else in your walk with Jesus. Paul begins this chapter in verse 1 by saying, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Weymouth's translation of that says, Standing then acquitted as a result of faith. Standing as acquitted as a result of faith. Therefore, being just. Therefore, standing acquitted. Now, whenever you read a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. He's referring to the previous verses in chapter 4, where we close out that great chapter regarding a study of Abraham, the father of faith, who the Bible clearly says was made righteous not by the things he did, but by his faith in God. Therefore, standing acquitted, we have peace with God. The only way you're going to have peace with God is to know that you've been acquitted. Notice it says, we have been, past tense. Not I'm going to be. See, a lot of us think that when we get to heaven, God's really going to help us out and change a lot of things that were bad and wrong. He's going to finally, thank God, he's going to finally, I'll be right. Thank God, all those things in my life, will be gone and I'll finally, I'll I'll be pleasing to God. You won't be more pleasing to God when you get to heaven. You're as pleasing to God right now as you ever will be. You're as acceptable to God right now as you ever will be. You excite him. He enjoys you. He desires you right now as much as he ever will be or ever will. Standing acquitted, therefore, because of this promise that God made to Abraham, last week's lesson, because of how God signed a covenant with Abraham and has made that available to us as Gentiles and said to us, All the blessing that came on Abraham is yours in Christ Jesus. Therefore, standing acquitted, I have peace with God. Would you just look at somebody and say, I have peace with God. It says, by faith... Therefore, being justified by faith. Now, I'd ask you to look at something and consider. We've always thought that to mean my faith. But is he talking about my faith or God's faith? Well, let me ask you this. Remember last week when we talked about in chapter 4 how that God cut a covenant with Abram? Who signed that covenant? God alone did. In other words, God made the covenant with himself because he could swear by none greater than himself. So when he prepared the covenant, which was going to be sealed and signed and ratified by walking through the sacrifice that Abraham had, uh, Abram had laid out on the ground, he took several animals, killed them, cut them in half, laid them in pieces, creating a pathway, just like this aisle here. And then God put him to sleep. And the Bible says that a flaming torch and a smoking pot came and walked through the pieces. Who was that? God. God cut the covenant with himself. Abraham was asleep. So when it says, therefore, therefore, being acquitted, standing acquitted by faith, Whose faith do you suppose that's speaking of? God didn't want this thing resting on your faith. It rests on his faith. He's acquitted me by his faith. And now by faith in him, I just receive what he's already done. Oh, bless God. Hallelujah. The Amplified Translation of that says that this word acquitted means acquitted of sin or declared to be blameless before God. Did you know you are blameless before God? You stand acquitted. And this isn't referring to a legal rendering in the court of heaven where God's law was against us and Jesus had to fight for us, intercepting God's Anger where God was about to smash us like a bug. And so Jesus steps in and says, wait a minute, God, don't do it. I'll be the sacrifice. See, that's what we've been taught. That's that's our idea of judgment, of love, of sacrifice, of of this whole paradigm that we've lived under of a judgmental, angry God who is our enemy. I submit to you that what happened in the cutting of the covenant And when it says we stand acquitted That's not talking about the court of heaven And the law of God that was against us That's talking about a declaration to Satan Based on the covenant with Abraham That God ratified in himself Wherein, just like with Job God sticks it back in Satan's face And says, my kids My sons and daughters are justified And I cut the covenant I swore by myself that I would do it and that I would justify them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You remember how Satan came and appeared before God in the company of heaven and said, Have you considered Job? Have you considered Job? (laughs) Or God, actually, Satan was walking through there And he was angry. He was upset. And God God said to Satan, Have you considered Job my servant who walks throughout all the earth? He's, He's perfect and righteous. And Satan was so upset and said, Yeah, that's only because you bless him. God, if you'll remove your hand from him, then we'll see. We'll see whether he remains faithful. He'll curse you. He'll stop walking with you. He's only serving you because you do things for him. Well, you know the story and how that works out, right? Job stands his ground. Job never curses God. Job remains faithful. And in that great court where righteousness was determined either by obedient acts or just the goodness and love of God, God wins, sticks it back in Satan's face and says, my servant Job is righteous just because I love Him and He loves me. Question, is there something that I have to do to be right with God? No, nothing more. I'm righteous. I'm accepted. I'm acquitted. I'm free. Nothing more needs to be done. It was finished. And that's why Jesus spoke those words on the cross. It is finished. Could you say it? There's nothing more. There's nothing more. Is there something I have to do to be righteous, to be acceptable to God? There's nothing more. The next time Satan presents that question to you, well, you're not righteous enough. You know your life. God doesn't accept you. You're not pleasing. Just say those words back. to. There's nothing more. (laughs) There's nothing more. I love that. And then he continues in verse 1 in reading from the Weymouth. Let us enjoy peace with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith... Let us enjoy peace with God. Literally, the Greek word means to join. It's a reference to the dovetail joint in carpentry. Think of a picture frame and how that those two ends are adjoined in four places to form the frame. That joint is what's being spoken of here. Let us enjoy, let us be joined be, because of righteousness that God bought, God purchased, he made it possible, it's his righteousness, he signed the deal, he made it available, we just say yes. Therefore, let us enjoy peace with God. Let us enjoy being perfectly fitted with the thought. Did you know you are right now today perfectly fitted with all God requires of you? Perfectly fitted and Joined to everything God has for you every blessing every good thing is yours now Today you're not waiting for it. There's not something you can do more. It's yours now He's joined you and that's your peace See that concept is so foreign to us today simply because We don't know how to walk in unhindered friendship. This is the definition that the mirror translation gives to that word peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have unhindered friendship with God. I want you to consider that. You would know most Christians... Know anything about that simple piece of being joined? To look at their life, to look at their face, to consider their words? How about you this morning? Does your life speak of the joy of simple, of the simple relationship of just being joined to the Father? Not through anything you do, but by everything He's done. you know it's hard when your friend just think of this it, it it's hard to have peace when you feel like your best friend is standing over you trying to catch you do something catch you doing something wrong that's who god is to most people That angry, divine being up in the sky, heaven as we call it, who's just trying to catch you doing something wrong, doesn't bring much peace, does it? Then in verse 2, Paul says, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. The Amplified says, into this state of grace. The Weymouth's translation says, into this state of favor. Mm. You are presently in a state of favor because of what Jesus did for you. You presently, right now, not tomorrow, not next week when you get a few things in your life worked out. Uh, Right? Not when you pray more not when you read your Bible more, not when you come to church more faithfully. Right now, today, sitting where you're sitting, hearing this message, God wants to tell you something. You are as right with him as you are, will ever be. You are acquitted. You have been perfectly joined to him. You have perfect peace with him. And he now has put you in a state of favor Thank you, Lord. all because of what Jesus did you, not because of what I did Thank you. it doesn't depend on me it doesn't depend on my acts it doesn't depend on my obedience it doesn't depend on good works but because of what Jesus did and because God signed and ratified a covenant with himself to make it available to me I stand acquitted and I have the peace of God. And I'm supposed to enjoy it. Did you know you're supposed to enjoy your Christianity? That might be a new thought for some of you, but really, you're supposed to enjoy this. Some of you really do not enjoy your Christianity from day to day. I mean, dear Lord, you would think, I mean, if you listen to some people, if you just walk, walk for a week or two with some people, My goodness. Christianity is a chore. For individuals who do not understand this principle, that by God's doing, not mine, he ratified a covenant that causes me to stand acquitted where I can enjoy the peace of God. And now he's placed me in a state of just favor. Does that sound like a verse in the Bible that you've read or might remember from the most famous passage probably in all of the Bible that even, even unbelievers and non-Christ followers know? I'll give you a hint. Psalm 23. Come to mind? All right. I'll give you another hint. Verse 6. Does that help? Okay. Yes, Rick was beginning to quote it. Help me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. One translation says, Surely goodness and favor shall follow me. And that word follow is the word chase. God has put you in a perpetual state Where he's chasing you. you, He just loves you. He's chasing you. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the man, the one man, Jesus Christ. I looked up the word favor and you might be surprised to understand or to know, to learn that there's only a few references in all of the New Testament that use the word favor and most of them don't have to do with God favoring you, God blessing you. They reference favor but not, not in an outright statement of the favor of God to you. Well, so where do we get all the concept of favor that we read? Old Testament. I said, Lord, why, as important as this is, when you say that you have acquitted me, you've perfectly joined me to you in peace, and now I am in a perpetual state of favor, would the New Testament not speak more about favor? One word, presence. It's not called favor anymore. It's called the presence of God. You see, when God is present, you have all the favor you'll ever need. In God's presence is his favor, his love, his power, his victory, his insight, his wisdom, his joy. It's all there in the presence of the Lord. Do you know you are in the presence of the Lord right now? Did you know you can't get more of the presence of God? We sing songs, and we need to make a correction here. Never sing songs to get the presence. Some of you, some of you may have judged this morning, one way or another, well, I felt the anointing or I didn't feel the anointing, or that was a, group, a good group of songs or uh, I didn't care for it, or you know, God, God blessed that service or God didn't. Well, that's all very carnal thinking, and some of you are sitting here right now thinking that. Well, that's anointed or that's not. You're judging. Well, that's blessed, that's not. Well, God favored that song service, but he didn't favor this one. That's such a carnal way of looking and relating to God that it it really becomes a religious sort of stench to him. Whether you feel anything or not, you are immediately and always present in his presence. He said, I swear I will never leave you nor forsake you. As soon as you make presents, an object, something you can get that then leaves, depending on your behavior, your prayer, whether you prayed long enough, the songs you sang, did you sing them long enough, sing them loud enough, did you choose the right number of them, you're in trouble. You know what you've just made, quote, the presence or the anointing of God? An idol. And God will not substitute his presence for idolatry. God will not allow us to love an idol. I stand acquitted, perfectly paired and matched with him and in that he says have great joy because i've now put you in a perpetual state of my presence where i am immediately and always with you and this presence doesn't depend on your obedience it doesn't depend on your actions it doesn't depend on whether you prayed enough it doesn't depend on whether you sang the right songs i am there now with you in fact My Holy Spirit is going to come and fill your life. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Which is his presence. Verse 3, real quick, and then we're going to go to the last six verses. Verse 3. And we rejoice in our sufferings. Reading it from the beginning, verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, I'm not going to exegete the rest of the passage there. It's not important for this study and where I want to major. We've done it before. We've done it even recently in a message that I taught. I took the whole morning and taught on James 1. And count it all joy. And this passage definitely is about that. Counting it all joy, even in the midst of your trials and your circumstances. But let me just say this. Did you notice, if you look at it carefully, did you notice what it does not say? But we rejoice for our sufferings. That's how most Christians read it. We rejoice for our sufferings. I'm just giving God thanks for those things that have happened to me. No, no, absolutely not. You are not rejoicing for the suffering. You are rejoicing in the suffering. There is a huge difference. I am not thanking God for the trouble, the test, the trial. I am thanking God while I'm in it because my trust and faith is in him to bring me through it. Let's go on. Verse 9. Since, therefore, we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We asked the question at the beginning do we serve an angry God? An angry God? Is God angry? Is he angry at me? Does he get angry when I sin? First of all, let me point out that the words of God in that verse are italicized. They were added by the translators. They're not in the original manuscripts. Period. It simply doesn't say it. It says, and it reads, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath. It doesn't say of God. If your translation has that, then it was added. If you'll go back and you'll look at a number of great translations that are literal, you'll see that if they have it, they have it italicized. Secondly, literally, this word wrath means anger. It is not the anger of God. And it's referring to a condition of society as well as the inevitable result of the law of sowing and reaping. How many of you know, if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh do what? Reap corruption. Tell me where anger and wrath are in a list of things that have to do with nature. Not the nature of God. Galatians chapter 5 gives us a list of the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. As you work through the fruit of the Spirit, do you find wrath? Do you find anger? Well, when we say fruit of the Spirit, whose spirit are we talking about? Well, now, which list do we find anger and wrath in? Works of the flesh. Anger and wrath is not a fruit or personality type of God's character or personality. It's not a fruit of His character. It's a fruit of the flesh. So since we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him on a daily basis. The word saved means to deliver from. Daily, I will be saved out of the condition of society and the laws of sowing and reaping if I keep my faith in him. He will deliver me from wrath. He will deliver me from the conditions of sowing and reaping. Where, when I sow to my flesh, I reap corruption. Whew, thank you, Father. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go over to 2 Samuel. I want to show you something about wrath because I realize it's still not registering. 2 Samuel chapter 24. You need to see this in your Bible. Please use your Bible right now. If you have an electronic Bible, open it. Get it out. Turn in it. 2 Samuel chapter 24. I want us all to read it out loud. I believe we have it on the screen, Jeff. Is that correct? 2 Samuel chapter 24. And then, Jeff, well, after you get that one up, if you'd put in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1. And English standard is fine. Let's all read it together. Verse 1. Ready? Read. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. Let's read it again. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. I want you to read it out loud one more time. Ready? Read. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel. Now, the Hebrew word for he there is not referring to the Lord but to the anger. That's interesting. It gives a personality to the anger. In the Hebrew tense. All right? Turn over to second or to uh 1 Chronicles chapter 21. 1 Chronicles chapter 21. Jeff, can you put that up for us? so that we can just all read it together. 1st Chronicles 21. That'll make it easier. 1st Chronicles chapter 21. Find it in your Bible as well because I want you to mark it. I dare say probably no one in the room has ever recognized this being in their Bible. Let's read it. Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number. Jeff, you still have that other verse? You didn't. I mean, you can just flip back to it, right? the one right before this please can can't we just no okay we'll take the time this is so important for you to understand about quote the anger of god and then i'm going to come back to this one so thank you that's probably not good for the video is it Shot of my backside. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Read. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them. Go number Israel and Judah. Next verse. Next passage. Jeff. Read. Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number what is the anger of the Lord? Satan. It's simply a reference to the fallout of Satan in this earth. We've referred to it as the anger of the Lord, but is actually a work of the flesh that manifests because of fallen Satan. It is not God's anger. Anger is not a part of what God does in the earth. Thus the persona of God's anger was projected upon God by man's misunderstanding of the law. You know or realize that the anger of the Lord is not mentioned in all of Genesis and that judgment and anger never comes into view. The judgment of sin never comes into view. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, if I heard John uh, Master Giovanni correct on this, the word sin is never used until the law was given. The word sin is never used until the law is given. And then as the law is twisted and we project onto God our ideas, we see him as a vengeful, vengeful, wrathful God, and it's even in your Hebrew Bible. It was the anger of the Lord that did it. No, it was Satan that did it. But we take that persona and we project it upon God. Watch this. 2 Corinthians. Jeff, I believe you do have this one. Let's look at it together either on the screen or in your Bible. I know some of these, you need, you just, you need to mark them. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. Who has made us sufficient... To be the ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Why is that important? For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now watch this. Now if the ministry of death, stop, take the scripture down. Jeff, help me. Take it down. For if the ministry of death, I want you to hear this. What gives life? The law or the Spirit? Spirit. The letter of the law or the spirit? Spirit? All right, now. Now he's moving into this deeper, and he goes, Now, the ministry of death. He's about to point out to us that there's a ministry that has, for thousands of years now, been the thing that governed the nation. That was, that became the religion Of the Hebrew people. Jeff, the scripture. Now, if the, verse 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone, what is that? Scripture down. Take the scripture down. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters in stone, what is that? All right. All right. Scripture, Jeff, stay with me came with such glory, scripture down, What? how did it come with such glory? Remember when God gave the tablets and Moses came down off the mountain? What did they have to do? They had to cover Moses' face because of the glory of God. All right, scripture, Jeff? Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Notice that this, this, this thing called the law, this thing called that we say God's anger even. I mean, okay, call it God's anger. God was after him. They disobeyed the law. God's was after him. If you disobey the law, God it makes God angry and God is going to judge you. Did you follow that? If you disobey the law, even a little bit of it, it makes God angry and God's going to get you. Follow me. Say it with me. If you disobey the law, it makes God's angry. God's going to judge you. Let's do it again. I'm sorry I'm stumbling over my words too. If you disobey the law, it makes God angry. He's going to judge you. That was the whole covenant that the nation of Israel lived under. And it's called the ministry of death. And did you see this? Jeff put it up. Which was being brought to an end. It's not going to continue. And that's what he's talking about in Romans That's the story of Romans. That's the text of Romans. The contrast between the ministry of life and the ministry of death. The contrast between law and grace. Legalism versus righteousness. Justification versus condemnation. That's the message of Romans. So I'm going to take this ministry of death. Notice it can't produce life. Seeing God is angry. Seeing God as mad, being mindful constantly of laws, do not, touch not, taste not, handle not, you can't, you shouldn't, you mustn't, is a ministry of death. It can't bring life. But it did have glory. (laughs) Then just imagine the glory that's on the ministry of life which we now live under. Can you say amen? Amen. Verse 10. Jeff, do we have it for him? English Standard Version, our text. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, now much more. All right, stop. I want you to think about something. We read that like this. Now, if God, while God was our enemy, he reconciled us through the death of us. It doesn't say that. It says, for if while we were enemies... It doesn't say God is our enemy. You see, let me explain it this way. See, right now, you might feel like I'm your enemy... But that's in your head. I'm not your enemy. I love you. I'm not anybody's enemy. I love you. I receive you. I accept you. But you might feel like I'm your enemy. Well, so then you would have a tendency to say, well, so in that service, you know, boy, Jeff just, I don't know, the way he was coming across, he, he just he made me feel like an enemy. It's kind of like this projection on God that he's an angry God, and yet it was Satan doing that thing, right, that we just read in Samuel and, and Chronicles. God is not your problem. God is not angry. God is not an enemy. For if while we were enemies, here's another scripture for you, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Jeff? He has it on the screen here. Look at it. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Read. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies, where? In your minds. God's not my enemy. And the only place he continues to be an enemy or I, an enemy of him, is in my mind. Which is why it's so critical for us to renew our minds with this precious word of God so there's a new realization that the gospel is not about appeasing an angry deity it's not about the violence or retribution that was in the death of Jesus when God came and put him on that cross but that's what we've been taught God was angry he has to exact punishment So he put Jesus on the cross and this whole thing of an angry God and Jesus appeasing him perpetuates this idea of works and law and justification through obedience. And we can never be justified through obedience. We are justified by what God did already when he sent Jesus. Jesus took my sin. Jesus paired me, joined me perfectly with the Father like the joint that a carpenter would make in joining two pieces of wood. It's produced peace. And in that acquittal, that knowledge that I'm acquitted, I have right standing now. I am standing in a place of favor where there is no judgment. And I walk and I live in joy knowing that I serve a God who blesses and loves and favors, not who's angry and trying to catch me do, doing something wrong. Aren't you glad this morning? Can you say, thank you, Jesus? I don't know if many of you know Dallas Willard, prolific author, tremendous writer and historian as well as philosopher of the Christian faith. He died just two years ago. He wrote one of the greatest books that's become a standard like some of the greats that you will read in Christian literature called The Divine Conspiracy. Has anybody ever heard of it? The Divine Conspiracy. I figured you would. Most Baptists theological studies and seminaries would have his work. He made this statement that how sad it is that we continue this idea of vampire Christianity that wants Jesus for his blood and little else. End quote. Wow. Thank you, Jesus, for somebody willing to think outside of the box and go against that. He, he was ordained Southern Baptist. You would never hear a Southern Baptist say or refer to the cross or the blood of Jesus as a vampire Christianity. But he did. And he did because of our misuse and abuse of projecting onto God and his character and his nature that he's angry and wrathful instead of loving and full of kindness. And that everything he does is based on his love. This morning I recognized that you might be wrestling with these very concepts of an angry God. That God, it seems, has been your enemy even. You're wrestling with things in your body, things with your finances. And you felt like, you know, I just maybe it's because of this. Maybe I did this upset God. Maybe I haven't been good enough and so God's holding back his blessing. If that's you this morning I have something for you. I have something for all of you but this is especially for those who have felt like God is your enemy.
1: You thought I was worth saying Changed my life You thought I was worth keeping, So you cleaned me up inside So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was the day thought i was